Uh, we were considering this morning these, uh, this chapter and we uh, were thinking about the altar. This was the beginning of the work. Uh, we thought there how that they could have discussed the plan of action first and spent time deciding what they were going to do and how they were going to build and what should become first. And so often uh, within the uh, congregation of God's people, there is a lot of talk about what might be done, but there's not much action. It's very easy to talk about what we could do. And even in prayer, we can come before the Lord and say, uh, well, we think we should do this or what would you have us to do? But we need to be like the Apostle Paul, who not only asked the Lord, what wouldst thou have me to do? But having been told what to do, he went and did it. And uh, we need to be ready to do the service of the Lord. We thought that also perhaps they could have said, well, let's clear away the rubbish first. Let's clear away the, the stones which are broken down and the houses and the, uh, and the uh, ceilings of those houses. Uh, the roofs which have been tumbled down, the gates which have been burned. Let's clear away all of that. And sometimes we might think the same time, the same thing, that we uh, need to uh, do other things within the church. And then uh, perhaps once we've sorted out the building, once we've sorted out uh, all the actions and everything that needs to be done, then we'll begin to do the work of God. But those times don't come. We can spend an awful lot of time trying to get stuff right when we really need to be coming into God's presence. They could have thought to themselves, well, let's raise the walls first and at least we'll have protection from our enemies. And we see that they had enemies there in chapter 4 and in verse 4 it says, Then the people of the land weakened the hand of the people of Judah and troubled them in building and hired counselors against them to frustrate their purpose all the days of Cyrus king of Persia, even unto, until the reign of Darius king of Persia. So they had enemies around them and they could have thought, well, let's, let's defend ourselves first. Uh, let's think about ourselves first and then we'll get around to building the altar. But they did none of that. They, were, they had learned while they were in captivity to rest in dependence upon the Lord himself. And they recognized that the most important thing was to have communion with him, to build the altar and to offer the offerings and to look to Christ uh, although Christ, of course, uh, was someone for them in the future, yet in the offerings, that's exactly what they were doing. They were trusting to the salvation of God. They were trusting to his grace. And that was the first thing they did. These are the things which we were considering this, mo this morning. We saw that the sacrifice was central to them, that the altar was rebuilt by the highest dignities of the land, by Jeshua and his brethren, the priests, by Zerubbabel and his brethren, the princes, and that they worked together to do the work of God. We saw also that it was a, a, an altar that was built upon the old foundations and how important that was, that they should build it upon uh, its bases. And there in verse 3, they set the altar upon his bases, for fear was upon them because of the people of those countries. It set it upon its bases. Oh, we, there is no foundation that can be laid but that which is laid, which is Jesus Christ. And there, uh, there are many who uh, perhaps have, have thought of different ways of, of preaching the gospel, so they think, or different ways of, of doing the work of God. But it pleased God by the foolishness of preaching to save them that believe. And the old foundations are the same foundations. We were saying this morning how that uh, when Luther began his work, it wasn't to change the Church of Rome uh, and, and to leave the Church of Rome, but it was to bring them back to the foundations. It was to bring them back to what the scripture actually said. That was his issue. 
And of course, he met with a stiff resistance until indeed he was driven out from amongst them and the Reformation uh, picked up from there. So the foundations are very important, the old foundations, the old ways, uh, digging the old wells, uh, returning to the old paths, and that is what we need to do. We need to be coming to the word of God. We saw also that the altar was used daily and how important that is, that we spend time in the presence of God daily. We see all of the offerings that were offered there were the daily burnt offerings there in verse 4. But we see also this Feast of Tabernacles. We'll come to consider that this evening. And uh, of the free will offerings as well in verse 5, which were willingly offered uh, unto the Lord. All of these things were continual. And so the, it was well used, this, this place, this altar. And the altar was the place where the offering was given, where faith was manifested and uh, people uh, cast their cares upon those beasts that were slain. And that, but as we read from the book of Hebrews in chapter 9, the beasts themselves were just illustrations of something greater. Uh, they were to represent Christ, who has actually done what the beast represented. And so for us, we are coming to the Lord. We need fellowship with Christ. We need to be confessing our sins before him. We need to be seeking uh, uh, cleansing. We need to be seeking strength. We need to be growing that seed of faith which dwells in us if we are Christ until it becomes the tree. Until it is of such a, a power that we can say to this mountain, be thou removed and be thou cast into the sea and it shall be done. We have the seed at all. It can grow. But we need to nurture it. And we need to think about it. And we need to be uh, looking to the Lord in all of these things. We noted that it was in the seventh month, that month of, uh, of uh, many of the feasts of Israel. Uh, on the uh, first day of the month, there was the Feast of Trumpets, where uh, they uh, proclaimed uh, through the trumpets. On the tenth day, there was the Day of Atonement. On the fifteenth day of the month, the Feast of Tabernacles. And all of those feasts were there right at the beginning that they might remember the Lord. And then uh, they went on, as we see here, to begin to build the temple itself. So the foundation we laid this morning in, in, the, um, in the building of the altar. Now, when we consider that they began to build the house of God, first of all, we can see that they, uh, the attention that they paid to remembrance, the attention that they paid to remembrance, they remembered the Feast of Tabernacles. In particular, this is the feast which is spoken of here. In verse 4, they kept also the Feast of Tabernacles, as it is written, and offered the daily burnt offerings by number according to the custom, as the duty of every day required. So this Feast of Tabernacles was particularly mentioned here in the book of, uh, book of Ezra. What is the Feast of Tabernacles? Well, the Feast of Tabernacles was there to remind them of their wanderings in the wilderness and how the Lord had kept them through those years. They had paid attention to remembrance. Uh, they gave thanks for uh, the deliverances, uh, the deliverance from the wilderness. But now, of course, they are just coming out back out of captivity. They have been in captivity for 70 years. And now they've come back to the land and uh, keeping this feast of tabernacles. Again, they can give thanks to the Lord for the deliverance which the Lord had given to them. A deliverance indeed which he had promised that he would give to them. 
Uh, he had spoken to Jeremiah and told Jeremiah they would be in captivity for 70 years. It was there in Jeremiah uh, that Daniel read that it would be 70 years and began to bring this before the Lord. And uh, as a result, or, or indeed in, in, uh, uh, um, in consort with the prayer of Daniel, uh, the people began uh, to be brought back. Uh, Cyrus was raised up and later on Darius also. And in those days, the people began to uh, return to the land and to build the the temple, this new or replacement temple. So the Feast of Tabernacle was held there before the work begins. They remembered the wanderings in the wilderness. It's important to remember, isn't it, uh, the, the, the pit from which we were digged. It is important to look back to what we were before the Lord saved us, to consider the path that we were on, that broad path which was taking us to destruction, where we were in captivity and enthralled them to sin, and we were in darkness, and we didn't know that we had any need of salvation, and we, we were uh, living our lives to whatever came to our minds to do and to all of the philosophies of the world and sought after the things of the world. But we should remember continually that the Lord has delivered us from those things. We are no longer in captivity. We are free, free men. And if we are free, then we are free to do the service of the king. In Ephesians 2, verses 11 and 12, we read these words, Wherefore, remember that ye, being in time past Gentiles in the flesh, who are called uncircumcision by that which is called the circumcision in the flesh made by hands, that at that time ye were without Christ, being aliens from the commonwealth of Israel, and strangers from the covenants of promise, having no hope and without God in the world. That's what we were. It is important for us to remember. It is important for us to keep that in mind, that God has been gracious to deliver us from those things. Not that we should go back to them again, to the weak and beggarly elements, uh, to go back into Egypt and, and throw the redemption which Christ has given to us back in his face. In fact, uh, there is much made of that in the book of Hebrews, uh, because here the, the preacher is preaching to the Hebrews and he is saying, don't go back. If we sin willfully after that we have received the knowledge of the truth, there remains no more sacrifice for sin. There is only the sacrifice of Christ. If you go back to the beggarly elements, there's nothing for you there. And we need to remember that the Lord has delivered us that we might go onwards and not backwards. And here as they take this Feast of Tabernacles, they remember from whence they came. How that they came out of the land of Egypt. How that they wandered in the wilderness. But how that the Lord brought them into the promised land. And perhaps they would remember also the commandments which God gave them. That they were not to mix with the people of the land. God had warned them, don't do this. Don't marry into the people of the land don't worship the gods of the people of the land. Keep yourself separate from those things. And these all have a spiritual application to us that we should not be in cahoots with the world. We should not be so tied up with the world that we are, uh, we are entangled again uh, with the yoke of bondage but that we might use our freedom for the glory of God. They perhaps call to mind the result of refusing to go into the promised land 
Remember what happened there. Just after uh, 10 days or so, after coming out of Egypt, God took them to the promised land. They sent in the spies, and the spies came back out and said, but there are great walled cities and giants in the land, and we can't take it. And Joshua and Caleb said, but we can take it because we've got God on our side. But the people refused to go. Perhaps they would remember that they wandered for 40 years in the wilderness because of that decision. Because they would not listen to Joshua, they wouldn't listen to Caleb, but more to the point, they didn't trust God. And so they went back, and as they went back, God said, okay, then you can stay in the wilderness. And they said, well, we don't want to stay in the wilderness, no, we'll go. If, if, the, if the option is, well, we either go and fight or we go in the wilderness, then we'll go. But God said, no, it's too late. I'm not going to go with you. And they went and tried to fight and to get into the land and they were defeated and they ended up in the wilderness. All of this is brought up again in the Feast of Tabernacles that they might remember what happens when we refuse the commandment of the Lord. And all these things were very important because as they show forth this new zeal to rebuild Jerusalem, to rebuild the temple, beginning with the building of the altar, they needed to remember that they needed to press forwards and onwards rather than go back and be in the similar situation that they had been in before. Now God had promised them this restoration. In Daniel uh, chapter 9, verses 1 and 2, in the first year of Darius, the son of Ahasuerus, of the seed of the Medes, which was made at king over the realm of the Chaldeans, in the first year of his reign, I, Daniel, understood by books the number of the years, whereof the word of the Lord came to Jeremiah the prophet, that he would accomplish 70 years in the desolations of Jerusalem. Jeremiah then, if we go back to what he was reading there, uh, in Jeremiah 29.10, it says, For thus saith the Lord, that after 70 years be accomplished at Babylon, I will visit you and perform my good word toward you, in causing you to return to this place. For I know the thoughts that I think toward you, saith the Lord, thoughts of peace, and not of evil, to give you an expected end. And then shall ye call upon me, and ye shall go and pray unto me, and I will hearken unto you, and ye shall seek me and find me, when ye shall search for me with all your heart. And I will be found of you, saith the Lord, and I will turn away your captivity, and I will gather you from all the nations and from all the places whither I have driven you, saith the Lord, and I will bring you again into the place whence I caused you to be carried away captive." The church, it seems to me anyway, in this day and age, has been carried away captive. But the Lord does not forget his people, and he doesn't forget his work either. And he promises to hear us when we search for him. And here, as he speaks to Jeremiah, he says, when you shall search for me with all your heart. And we look at the prayer of Daniel, we find here a man who is is passionate. With all of his heart, he is seeking the Lord. I wonder, do we seek the Lord with all of our heart? Is it a burden upon our souls for the condition of this land in these days or the condition of this church in these days? Are we passionate before God that the Lord would remember us and that the Lord would deliver us? We need to have that desire and we need to have that um, assurance that God hears the prayer of his people and he has promised to hear us. We don't go to an external ta- t- temple or tabernacle. We don't have to go and uh, offer sacrifices and come before a priest and relate what we want to say to the priest. And the priest then goes on and uh, speaks to the Lord in prayer for us. We don't have to do those things. Why? Well, because we are the tabernacle. 
because the veil of the temple is rent in twain. Because we have access, and not only do we have access, but we are bidden by God to come boldly to the throne of grace. And Jesus himself says that I do not say that I will pray for you, for the Father himself loveth you. I do not say that I will pray for you, but whatsoever ye ask in my name, he will do it. We have an access which is greater than the access of these people to the presence of God. But do we use that access? Do we really come before the Lord who dwells within our hearts? Within the church, which is the building that he is pleased to inhabit? Within the body, which is connected to Christ as the head? We perhaps can all testify that when we have pains, our pains soon tell our head that we have pains. We are soon reminded if we have hit our thumb with a hammer, it soon tells our head that hurts. And yet, as Christians, how much communion do we actually have with our head, the Lord Jesus Christ? We need to be in his presence. Then also, when we consider this Feast of of Tabernacles, perhaps there would be this uh, connection, the connection between them wandering in the wilderness when they had disobeyed God and the connection to when they had been in Babylon because they disobeyed God. God had warned them in Deuteronomy, told them that if you do go away after the gods of, of the nations, you will go, I will take you into captivity. And he did exactly as he said they, he would. And they had done exactly what he told them not to do, to do. So there is a great comparison here. And they would think, well, we've just come back out of the, the land of captivity. And we want to rebuild the house. We want to rebuild those things that were broken down. Do we not? desire to build again that which is broken down in this nation and first and foremost beginning with the house of god that's what they're doing they begin with that central tenet of the house of god which is redemption itself in christ jesus the altar but then they build the house of god the judgment of god begins at the house of god we read in the scripture and it needs to be the first thing that is built We think about those who are outside, we'd love to see them come in, but we need to be right before God. We need to be revived. Revival begins in God's house. Revival indeed is a reanimation of that which is alive already. You don't revive uh, things which have never lived. You don't revive stones. Uh, The scripture says that the Lord is even of these stones able to raise up sons unto Abraham. And God can do that. But that's not a revival. That is giving life to something which is inanimate. A revival is to awaken someone. To bring them back from, uh, from their stupor. To bring them back perhaps from a coma. That is revival. And that can only happen to the church. The awakening that works around the church is because of the overflow of the blessing of God upon God's people. Then perhaps they would remember also the deliverance from Egypt. And the reason I I say so is because uh, as they are uh, doing this um, rebuilding of the temple, we find that they um, uh, lay the foundation of uh, of the temple there in the second year of their coming unto the house of God at Jerusalem in the second month. Now the first month is the month in which the Passover is, is given. 
So it's after the Passover. The Passover, of course, was instituted because God had told the people to slay a lamb, to put the blood upon the doorposts and the lintel of their houses, and, the, uh, and death would pass, pass by them. And so it reminds them once again that God was the one who had delivered them. And then they lay the foundation following that. The, the feasts of Israel are all very, very pertinent. And pertinent not just to Israel, but in a spiritual sense to ourselves too. They remember the deliverance from Egypt. In the 14th day of the first month at even is the Lord's Passover. And of course they remember the law of God. They're, they're very careful uh, to do the duty of every day that every day required in verse 4 there and so they are reminded of those uh, duties which God had given them to do so we see then this attention that they paid to remembrance and then also we see the actions uh, that commenced the rebuilding in uh, chapter 2 of Ezra here in verses 68 and 69 we find that it says, And some of the chief of the fathers, when they came to the house of the Lord, which is at Jerusalem, offered freely for the house of God to set it up in his place. They gave after their ability unto the treasure of the work three score and one thousand drams of gold, five thousand pounds of silver, one hundred priests' garments. And so the priests and the Levites and some of the people and the singers and the porters and the Nethanims dwelt in their cities and all Israel in their cities. So here uh, they are giving their money. They are giving their money for the work of God. It comes to mind, where did they get the money from? They've been in captivity. But hadn't God even blessed them in captivity? God had been with them in captivity. Indeed, he had said to Jeremiah, tell the people when they go into captivity to buy houses, to plant fields, and to live their lives there. They're going to be there for 70 years. And they come back and they have monies to use for the work of God. Oh, we may not be speaking uh, in a spiritual sense just of money, but of the talents which God gives us. Do we not grow talents in the world? Do we not have abilities that we have learned in the world that might be used for the work of God? They are worldly abilities, and nevertheless, we are in the world. And though we may be a spiritual temple unto the Lord, yet we dwell upon this earth. Can we use our talents for the glory of God? Then also they gathered the, the uh, materials uh, unto the second month of the second year, uh, chapter 3 and verse 8. Now in the second year of their coming into the house of God at Jerusalem, in the second month, began Zerubbabel and the son of Shealtiel, and Joshua, the son of Josadak, the remnant of their brethren, the priests and the Levites, and all that were come out of the captivity unto Jerusalem, and appointed the Levites from 20-year-old upward to set forward the work of the house of the Lord. The people were ready now to, to give uh, to the work of the Lord. <clears throat> they are giving themselves for that work. And in Ezra chapter 3 and verse 7, it tells us there, they gave money also unto the masons, to the carpenters, Meat and drink and oil unto them of Zidon and to them of Tyre to bring cedar trees from Lebanon to the Sea of Joppa according to the grant that they had of Cyrus, king of Persia. So they gathered the materials together. The wonderful thing about the materials is that the same materials that were used by Solomon. Solomon got cedars from Lebanon too. Uh, perhaps the workmanship wasn't well, quite what it was in Solomon's time. 
and perhaps the, uh, the qualities uh, which were uh, used in that original temple weren't the same in the second. But of course, when we take that from a material temple to a spiritual temple, then the second temple, which is the, God, the people of God, is far superior because it is not made with the materials which can perish or that can be broken down like the original temple. So uh, the enemies of Israel come and they, they destroy the temple in Jerusalem. But they can't destroy this temple. They can't destroy the people of God. Oh, they might take our lives, but that doesn't destroy the temple. We are just translated from this world to the next. We are still members of that temple. God still dwells in the midst of us. We are uh, unbreakable and undefeatable. They gathered the materials. And they were the same quality as that which had been used before. And they gathered men. Again, uh, we have seen those all day who, that will come up out of the captivity under Jerusalem. Everyone from <clears throat> 20 years old and upward. Uh, so we read here uh, in uh, verse, at the end of verse 8. Uh, from 20 years old and upward to set forward the work of the house of the Lord. And everybody was gathered together to do the work of the Lord. Are we all ready to put our hand to the work of the Lord. Can we all do what we can do? Because there were old men, it tells us here, there were those who were ancient. There were those there in verse 12, many of the priests and the Levites and the chief of the fathers who were ancient men that had seen the first house. That means they were over 70 because they had been in captivity for 70 years. They were over 70, perhaps in their 80s. Uh, if they were to remember it, they would be, I would suggest, uh, at least over four, uh, perhaps over five or six to actually remember something of what it looked like and maybe older than that if they really comprehended what they had before it was destroyed. So they could have been in their 90s and yet they were still there and they were still doing whatever they could and they had not the, the strength and, uh, and uh, uh, power of their youth but would do what they could. And we can all be involved in the work of God. And we can all be uh, doing his service. But we see that there were adversaries. There in the fourth chapter we read into just a little. Now when the adversaries of Judah and Benjamin heard that the children of captivity built the temple unto the Lord God of Israel. Then they came to Zerubbabel the, to the chief of the fathers and said unto them let us build with you. For we seek your God as ye do. And we do sacrifice unto him since the days of Esarhaddon king of Asa. But they didn't worship, they didn't sacrifice unto him upon this altar because they then just built it. What were they sacrificing? Where were they sacrificing? And we know that in the New Testament, in John 4, that the woman of Samaria said that we believe that in this mountain we should worship God. And it was in Mount Gerizim that they should worship God. But Jesus said that the, the Jews worshipped uh, who they knew and they worshipped in Jerusalem. But they, don't, they weren't worshipping at this altar. They said that they worshipped the same God, but they weren't doing so according to God's command. And so the reply which they get is, well, you have nothing to do with us to build the house unto our God, but we ourselves together will build unto the Lord of, of Israel as King Cyrus, the king of Persia, hath commanded us. See, the important thing here is that, that everybody was together to do that which was glorifying to God. 
that everybody had the same mind and the same purpose. And the problem is today that there are many who don't have the same mind and same purpose, that they call themselves Christians and they have a, a kind of a outward Christianity, but they don't know the Lord. And we need to know the Lord. We need to be the Lord's people. We need to be seeking his glory. We need to be striving against the sins of this world and the corruptions of this world. Not just attending a church on a Sunday and then going off and doing whatever everybody else does throughout the rest of the week. We need to have a commitment to him. And he said that they had a commitment, but Zerubbabel and Jeshua and the chiefs of the fathers of Israel said, you have nothing to do with us to build a house. We need to be right before God. We all need to be right before God. Heresies and heretics must be guarded against. And we find something else here as well, that they did manage to halt the work. They caused all kinds of problems and to frustrate their purpose, it says, all the days of Cyrus, king of Persia, even unto the reign of Darius, king of Persia. But one thing we can say is this, that the altar was already built. Before they got involved, the altar was already built. And although they may have caused the building of the temple to uh, be frustrated for a great amount of time, yet the altar was already built. And we see in this day and age the building of the church of God, the building of the of that great edifice in which he dwells, a body as it is also used metaphorically where Christ is the head, the building of which Christ is the chief cornerstone. In all of those things, we see these things being built, but we also see frustrations as churches accept what the world tells them to accept. Follow after doctrines of devils and turn away from the purity of the word of God. But nevertheless, for us, if the altar is built first, the altar is built. And that which Christ has accomplished is already done. He has already died upon the cross. The foundation has already been laid. And although the frustrations may come in in the building of the edifice upon those foundations, nobody can lay a different foundation than that which is laid, which is Christ Jesus. And then finally, the accomplishment that crowns their resolve. You turn over just in the scripture to chapter 6, to chapter 6 and then verse 14. It says there, and the elders of the Jews builded and they prospered through the prophesying of Haggai, the prophet, and Zechariah, the son of Iddo, and they builded and finished it according to the commandment of the God of Israel, according to the commandment of Cyrus and Darius and Artaxerxes of Persia, king of Persia. And this house was finished on the third day of the month Adar, which was in the sixth year of the reign of Darius the king. And the month Adar is the twelfth month. So the first month is the month of the Passover. The twelfth month, it is finished before the next Passover comes. And we praise God that Jesus Christ will build his church. The gates of hell shall not prevail against it. And there will need be no more need of a Passover, for the work will be finished in the twelfth month. We are seeking to build that work. We are pressing onwards to work with Christ. We need to be sanctified. We need to be pressing forward. 
we need to be building with all of our energies. But above all things, we need to spend time in the presence of the Lord around the altar. We need to be looking to the sacrifice of Christ, the work which he has accomplished, that work which he has done in us, giving thanks for his deliverances, remembering from whence we have come and what to what we are called, that we might serve him and glorify him. May the Lord bless us as we seek to put our hand to the building of that great uh, church of Jesus Christ, that great edifice, that body of Christ, bringing that which every joint supplieth to the glory of his name. Let's pray. Our Father, we thank thee for thy word. We thank thee, Lord, that the house was built. And though it took uh, through the years of Cyrus and into the years of Darius and Artaxerxes too, Yet, Lord, the work was finished. And, Lord, we thank thee that thy work will be finished. And, Father, the time will come when the last of those living stones will be set in place. And thou will come again. And, Father, we thank thee for thy glory. We pray, Lord, that thou was working us. We pray, Father, that we might have a, a zeal after the work of God. We pray, Father, that thou was be glorified in the midst of us. Help us, Father. Oh, how many are the distractions? And how many are the attacks of the adversaries that would come and seek to distract us from the work? Who would seek to come and help us in the work? Who would suggest to do this and to suggest to do that? Lord, we pray that we might find our suggestions only in thy word and through Jesus Christ. Bless us, we pray thee. Bless this work, that it may be blessed of thee and built. And Lord, that thou wast be glorified in the midst of it. And we pray for those who are lost, that they might come, that they might trust in Christ they might know that the way of the Lord is a right way and Lord at the end there is redemption and salvation unto eternity hear our prayer and bless us in Jesus name amen